0: Let me just tell you a little bit about me so you know why I'm here and why would I do what I do. I live just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have eight children and six grandchildren. And in 1995, I was a patient in a mental hospital. So welcome to your afternoon session. So that's my story heard around the world. And I hope you won't think I'm too flip about mental illness, but if you do, I would say as I do each week, that's my story. That's how I share it. And that's the story that brought me to you today. So welcome, friends, to Consider Yourself Hugged, Episode 6, Today's Hug, Beating Yourself Up After a Mistake, How It Really Can Help. I am Dr. Tammy West, here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you emotional and mental well-being. So what about this title? Uh, I wrote a blog a few years ago with a similar title. It was actually, Why You Should Beat Yourself Up After a Mistake. And I'm thinking that if, if it were me listening to this, I would think, what? Excuse me? I mean, how can you say that? I do beat myself up. How in the world can that be a good thing? What are you thinking? I am going to go there in just a bit. But first, let me quickly address what led up to this podcast and the revisiting of that blog. And then I'll share the story that prompted that blog and the title. And I'm going to give you four ways that beating yourself up can actually help. So stay with me. I promise this will make sense soon. I don't know about you all, but it's been sometimes we just have those very strange weeks and it has been a very strange couple of weeks to say the least in my life. Lots of emotional highs, lots of lows, also lots of personal reflection, maybe even some growth. And amidst the chaos I posted something on Facebook and I received some criticism. I took the post down really quickly and then I went through this intense emotional battle inside. You know, am I a bad person? Did I do something wrong? Was it bad? And having that like deep visceral reaction to criticism is a topic actually for another day. But after several days of of working through this, I remembered this post that I'm going to revisit. And I wanted to share it with you again This time, instead of you reading it, it will be more of a conversation, and also it will be revised and updated, and then I'll end with what I learned real quickly about that Facebook post. So I wrote it after I had made one of the biggest professional blunders of my career. I missed an event. Yep, I mean, I missed it. I wasn't just late. It wasn't like I could jump in my car and drive. The event was in Kentucky, and I was living in California at the time. My nieces came in to visit, my daughter was living with us at the time, and we were on our way to Disneyland. We were going to have so much fun. We were driving, and I got this call, and this sweet woman's voice said, hey, I'm just checking on you. We kind of, you know, we're out here in the country, it's foggy, I want to make sure you're okay, just wondering what time you're going to make it. My heart dropped as deeply as it could possibly drop. My head began to pound, and my mind began to swirl and you can probably guess that at this point Disneyland was not going to be the happiest place on earth for me that day. You know, this was a, a pretty large event. It was about 10 school districts, 150 or 200 people, and they were all waiting for me. How do I even process this while I'm on my way to a theme park for a fun day with my family? I mean, I let down the event leaders, I let down the company that brought me in, I let down the 150 participants I let down myself and and probably my nieces and my daughter because, gosh, how much fun are we going to have now at Disneyland with this weighing on me? So here's what happens. If you struggle with making a mistake and the perceived implications of that mistake, there are two things I think that happen very quickly. The first thing that happens is this rush of adrenaline. And if you listen to my podcast, I think it was episode three or four on emotions, we talked about basic emotions versus complex emotions. So you have this quick, basic rush of adrenaline that's that basic emotion of, I'm going to call it fear. Oh my gosh, what in the world has happened? That's the first thing that happens is that quick rush. The next thing that happens is something you may not have realized our minds do not want to feel pain. They don't want to to feel anxiety. We don't want to feel bad. And so our minds tend to seek whatever it needs to seek to take that pain away. And in this case, the way to take that pain away is to quickly figure out why it's not our fault. So, you know, in my case, it would be something like, well, they must have given me the wrong date. Well, maybe they never actually confirmed. Well, is this a dream? You know, something that makes it not real. And momentarily, that pain goes away. But not for long. The pain starts again. The beating up starts again. So my mind. Now we're into a complex emotion of terror and embarrassment and shame. How could this happen? Right? I'm a complete idiot. I'm careless. I'm unprofessional. They'll never want to use me again. What are they saying about me right now? They're all sitting there in an event that I ruined. Right? I'm taking responsibility for single-handedly ruining the entire event. How do we move past that? How do we move past these mistakes? Well, ironically, we get past them by doing just this, beating ourselves up for a bit. As strange and counterintuitive as it sounds, it's just part of the process. That initial adrenaline prevents us from really being logical about the situation. Um, Passion for certain situations leads us to all sorts of catastrophic thought patterns you know I mean I had passion for what I do I have passion for the topics that I speak about and so that leads me to this catastrophe that they'll never want me again the the unknown allows our brains to absolutely go crazy so we just need to go with it experience it think it feel it go down every dark deep negative path now why in the world would I say this to you I know because I know when someone that I care about makes a mistake I don't say to them, well, hey, you need to beat yourself up, right? They do start beating themselves up. And what I say is, you can guess, don't beat yourself up. Because I probably care about this person if they're telling me something that they've done. I I don't want to see them suffer. And I hear them say things about themselves that are not true. Just like earlier when I said I single-handedly ruined an entire event. I should tell you, I was just one of several speakers. So we say things that aren't true. This If people are telling me, you know, that, that they screwed up and how bad they are, they're, they're not being logical and they're seeing a single mistake is the end of the world. So let's go back to my situation. Here's my daughter. She's in the car. I hang up the phone. And as you can guess, the first word out of my sweet daughter's mouth were, Mom, don't beat yourself up. Don't let it ruin your day. We're going to Disney. Okay, well, let's go with that for a minute. Let's imagine... Not beating myself up. Okay, let's just, and and you think of some mistake that you've made recently, a long time ago, whatever, just pull one out. And imagine not beating yourself, yourself up. How might that look? So it might look something like this. So me, I say, oh my gosh, what have I done? And my daughter, Lindsay, says, mom, don't beat yourself up. Don't let it ruin your day. We're going to Disney. And I say, you know what? You are right. I didn't mean to. There's nothing I can do about it now. So let's just go. Splash Mountain, here we come. We're going to have a great day. And then I just send a quick apology email. I forget about it and I have a great time. No, it's not going to happen. If it was that easy, what would it say about my level of commitment to my career, to those people sitting in those seats, and to my overall integrity? That is not going to happen. This is why I say I believe that that beating up process allows several things to happen. Four things I'm going to give you. Maybe in this order. Maybe it's different for you. So here we go. Number one, it allows you to feel the pain, take responsibility, and make a sincere, heartfelt apology if necessary. It was my fault. And as much as I wished and hoped it had been their mistake, it wasn't. So after obsessing deeply for a short time, I tried several times to call because the woman who originally called me wasn't the meeting planner. She was just someone there in the event center, but I couldn't reach the event planner. So I sent a very sincere apology email. You you got to tell yourself at this point that the pain won't last forever. It's temporary and it's for a purpose. You know, one of the things that's different about me now than pre-mental hospital 1995 Is that in the past, when I would make a mistake and I would feel that pain, I would completely catastrophize it. Just like I said earlier, I've ruined everything, but catastrophizing it in the way that I used to would mean I could see no end to the pain. I would feel like my life was going to be completely this way forever, that I would hate myself forever. Now I know as bad as it feels, it's temporary and it's for a purpose. So that's number one, allows you to feel the pain, take responsibility, and make a sincere, heartfelt apology if necessary. Number two, it allows you to figure out what's true and what isn't. And what I mean by that is you can do sort of a Socratic questioning that's common in therapy. If you've ever been through that or heard of it, it just, it's a way to question to uncover what's really going on, deeper meaning what your really thoughts are. So here, here are some ways that I went through in my head this questioning technique did I make a mistake yes was it a big mistake well no one died but it wasn't like I just missed an appointment I missed an event so I'm gonna go with yes it was big will they say bad things about me maybe I might even go with probably did I let people down yes am I an idiot no even though I felt like one did I do it on purpose no even though I felt bad Am I careless in my work? No, even though I struggle with details. Am I unprofessional? No. Will they ever want to bring me in again? Not sure. Now, as a follow-up, because that was three years ago, they did bring me in again. It was a little weird and awkward because they all remembered it. I think it was the next year they brought me back. They were—they thought it was funny. We all laughed about it. And it probably helped a little bit in my healing because I made it part of what I talked about. So that's number two. It allows you to figure out what's true and what isn't. That moves on now to number three. It allows you to figure out why it happened. So that question that you might ask about this mistake you made in the beginning, how did this happen? Well, that's a completely valid question. I said earlier, I do struggle with attention to detail, but I try Really hard, and I try to implement measures that will help me not make mistakes, but sometimes I still make them. But specific to this event, why did I forget? Did I not put it on my calendar? Did I forget to look at my calendar? And after lots of looking through it, I think I came up with the answer. I had been using and still use the calendar on my phone, but I noticed as I just the next couple of months after this happened that. A couple things I had put in my calendar were just not there. They had dropped off. Now, I know it was something that I did. Certainly, I, I went in and dialed. If you use an iPhone, when you do a date, you kind of almost like a little spinning wheel. Maybe I hit that. Maybe I accidentally hit the delete button. I don't know. But still, it's my fault. And it allows me some peace that at least I don't think I was careless or unprofessional. So I think that's what happened. But working through that allows you to figure it out. So that's number three. It allows you to figure out why it happened. And finally, number four, it allows you to plan for the future. I book a lot of events. Mostly I do it on my own. And I've never missed an event, at least not one like this due to my mistake. I've had a couple of meetings. Someone put it down wrong. I showed up. Thank goodness they were, they were small meetings that I just drove to. But this one was big. So how can I prevent this from happening again? And as much as I hated to, what I did was I went back to a paper calendar. So I still use my phone, but then I transfer everything to a paper calendar. Because you know what I realized is I have never accidentally erased something from a paper calendar. Like never, I don't think, have I walked in my sleep and grabbed a pencil and opened my planner and erased something out of it. So when I book an event... I may put it on my phone just because I'm there with the person, but I always then put it in that paper planner. So that's number four. It allows you to plan for the future. So how long, you know, how long these four steps, how long do you beat yourself up? I can't tell you that. Now, look, not for long. I don't want you to become... stuck in a place of sorrow, not for long. For me, this lasted a couple of days before it started to fade. And just like I told you before, I knew early on that it wouldn't last. And even though the pain was so great, I knew it had a purpose. And after I worked through all this, um, I think it was, I don't know, shortly thereafter, I remembered a book that I had read years even prior called Self-Esteem by Dr. Matthew McKay. I will put his info in the show notes, so make sure. I'll put a link to the book um, so you can go and take a look at that. And he has a chapter on handling mistakes. Um, I want to read you a couple of things uh, that I think will help you. Other than these four things, these two things in his book really spoke to me. One of them was in a preface to that chapter where he talks about making decisions. Sorry if you hear the rattling of the book. And this is what he says. He says in chapter eight on handling mistakes, you will explore one of the fundamental laws of human nature. And here's, here's that law that you always choose actions that seem most likely to meet your needs based on current awareness. You make the best decision you can at any point in time, given what you know and what you want. The secret to coping with any failure is to recognize that each decision you've made was the very best one available under the circumstances. And when I think about that as it applies to me, when I booked that event, I did the very best that I could under the circumstances in which I was working, the phone calendar. I, I did the very best that I could with the information that I had. Now, the important thing, of course, is to then look forward and realize, well, I need to work under a different system because that one didn't work. And the second thing, okay, when he actually gets to the chapter he talks about he has this this paragraph. I'm going to read part of it to you. He says, "Allow a quota for mistakes." Now, before I go further, I'm not sure this is you need to commit this to memory. But but some people operate best as sort of a, a numbers a logical person, and this might really help you help you. And I thought it was very interesting, so I'm going to read it. Allow a quota for mistakes. Some people have the pathological attitude that all mistakes can be avoided, that competent, intelligent, worthwhile people don't make them. This is paralyzing hogwash that can leave you afraid to take any chance in your life. The healthier position is that everyone deserves a quota for mistakes. I like that, by the way. You should be allowed a certain number of social gaffes, work mistakes, poor decisions, blown chances, even failed relationships this is a good time to start thinking in terms of reasonable error quotas rather than the hopeless dream of perfection. So a rule of thumb that he gives for most people is that between one and three decisions in every 10 are dead wrong and several others may be in a doubtful gray area. Hmm. So if you like numbers, think that one in three or one Between one and three decisions in every 10 are dead wrong and several others may be a doubtful gray area, which means up to half of the time you might be making a mistake. And that's okay. We all know that we need to learn from them. I, I think that's something we've all heard, but I definitely want to repeat it. A mistake does you no good unless it's something you can use going forward. I love all of that that came from his book. And finally, just to wrap up the Facebook issue very briefly, I went through these steps. And in this case, I determined that, no, I did not make a mistake this time. And that's a time when I'm able to tell my inner critic to shut its face. It's very easy to let go when you realize that you haven't made a mistake. You still may have that initial feeling anytime you think you've made a mistake. And thank goodness there will be times when you realize, oh, no, I didn't. And then you can embrace that moving on and hopefully as you practice even when you do make a mistake you can move on i hope you understand my intent here because this is a very complex issue with lots of moving parts i hope you've learned something about how beating yourself up can be therapeutic as long as you move past it and i hope these four things have helped you number one was that beating yourself up allows you to feel the pain Take responsibility and make a heartfelt apology if necessary. And then number two, it allows you to sort out what's true and what's not true by using that questioning method with yourself. Number three, it allows you to figure out why it happened to do an assessment. And finally, number four, it allows you to plan for the future. So that's our time for today. I hope that you'll go to TammyWest.com and leave a comment in the show notes. I'd love to hear your stories about how you deal with mistakes. You can also get information there on how to get me to speak at your next event. The monthly $50 Amazon card giveaway from this point forward will definitely come from leaving comments on the blog. Okay, that's where the show notes are so be sure to do that January's winner was Chelsea Hayes so woohoo congrats to Chelsea I will draw for February's at the end of this week and finally remembering our mental and emotional long-term well-being goal I hope that you will renew your thoughts daily adopt empowering language that prevents verbal harm to yourself and others and make positive mental and emotional choices on a daily basis And until next time, consider yourself cut.